grateful to you for giving it to us. Let us have the mindset to know that we are supposed to be the kind of people that can rule and reign in this world. Amen, amen, and even so, amen. Walking out in the city, going to get the harvest, looking to get your grapes so that you can have the wine, and you go out there and half of it is no good. Going out, trying to get your crops trying so that you can live, so that you can have something to eat. Walking across the plain, going out in the field, and you look, and half the grain is gone. You go to get your money to pay your bills, to try to get some things that you need in this life, and it seems like your money does not stretch like it used to. As a matter of fact, with inflation and taxes, your money's gone. It's not doesn't have the strength that it once had. And yet the responsibilities pile up more and more. Then every now and then sickness may come. Emergencies come. What are you to do? What caused that problem? Is there anything that you did yourself? Is it just bad luck? Was there someone that was supposed to help you and keep you from being in that situation? How did they fail you? What are you to do to that kind of person that was supposed to keep you from having the pain of losing all of that income, all of that work. And they, in the meantime, were able to maintain their way of life. They were able to stay above you. Is there a solution? Is there, is there a remedy? Or is this the way life always has to be? The book of Haggai deals with the issues just like where we are today in the same way. It deals with drought. It deals with losing of income. It deals with people that are put in a position to help you, to, to keep you from these types of situations. It continually let things go against you. What are you to do? The book of Haggai tells you there's one solution, and that one solution is to pay attention to what government you will allow yourself to be locked into. Let's look at the book of Haggai and see how it works. The book of Haggai comes in the time, I see around 520 B.C., and a lot of people don't care anything about 520 B.C. Uh, do I need to make it go for my computer? Are we good? 520, 520 B.C., and then looking around 520 B.C., we understand this is a good many years before the Christ was born, about 520 years before, minus 4. Anytime you see B.C., 
just automatically say, okay, their calendar was off about four years, so if it's 520 B.C., you're going to be off four. Why is that? Because of the way they did the calendar. But this is what happened. The children of Israel had made covenant with the God of heaven, earth, and sky, the Creator. And when they made covenant with him, he promised, I would not let you be homeless. I will not allow you to be starving for food. I will even make sure you have grain. I'll make sure you have wine to eat to be merry. I'll make sure you have enough to lend. And you won't even have to borrow. He had determined you would be the head and not the tail. You would sow and you would reap so much that while you're sowing and getting your things together to sow, it's going to be time for you to reap again. And in time for you to reap, it's going to catch up with the other. So what ends up happening is you would have super abundance and have to determine what to do with your old store. Yet this is not the situation here. These people have been taken into captivity. They have been taken from their land. They have been taken from their property. Many have had been killed, some raped. Some have been left as, listen, dong on the ground. I'm talking about that stuff that stinks. We're talking about laying out on the ground carcasses. In 722, the Assyrians took what is called the northern portion and scattered them. Then in three deportation, Nebuchadnezzar took the southern portion, which is called Judah, and he deported them, killed some, and burned the temple of God, which was a representation of his presence, his government, and his will and law and order for man. It was gone. But something happened. God had already told him through Moses that should you turn and break my covenant, because my covenant is so real with me, I'll have a quarrel in my covenant that I will deal with you accordingly. Now, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, there is a nice passage in the scripture. It's called Leviticus, third book in your Bible, and that 26th chapter goes through that very, very, very clearly and plainly. So when he avenges the quarrel of his covenant, he shows that he keeps his word. But at the end of the quarrel of his covenant, it only comes because people will keep knowing his word, hearing his covenant laws, and will not be reformed. They will not turn. They will not repent. So he would, he would execute his judgment until the people would say, and I'm talking about just the remnant. Enough is enough. We'll submit to you. This is where the book of Haggai comes in. It comes in what they call the books after the captivity, Ezra. They have Nehemiah. We'll have to go through Nehemiah, uh, Zechariah. But I wanted to pick Haggai to give you a, a taste, a flavor. Remember, they go out to get harvest, it's gone. They go out to get their wine or their, their vintage, it's gone. Everything is bad. And I say, this is where we are today. What do you mean? You go look in your 401k, depending on what the stock market is doing, it can be way up to the sky. 
or way down to the bottom. You have money saved, and guess what? We can change interest rates. We can take the value of your home. I remember about a few years ago, the value of your home can go down to the bottom. Then it goes back up, and when we do that, we can change who owns property because those that still have money left, when the value of things go down and you don't have money, they can buy things. Well, let's look at the Bible and see how this beautiful passage helps us. If you will go with me to the book of Haggai, H-A-G-G-A-I, Haggai, two chapters, very, very powerful. Haggai comes after, let's see what, what, letter, what it comes after, because I want to make sure that somebody can find it easier than most people. It comes out, see, I'm thinking Zephaniah, that doesn't help. Habakkuk doesn't help. Let me go to the bottom. Uh, I think if you go to Malachi and go backwards, if you're not familiar with the Bible like that, go backwards about three books. Malachi, Zechariah, and Haggai, okay? Because if you don't know your Bible, and I start talking about Zephaniah and Ezra, it's like, I don't know what that is, Tim. And this is how I used to cheat when I first started. I knew what a table of contents were. You got a computer phone, type it in, Haggai. So let's go to Haggai 1 and look at the scriptures. The Bible says, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month came the word of Yahweh by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, Nazanashiathiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh Yahweh of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come that the house of Yahweh should be built. Then came the word of Yahweh by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it a time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And, uh, and this house lay waste? Now therefore, thus saith Yahweh of armies, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink. But you are not filled with drink. You clothe you. But there is none warm. And he that earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of armies, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, save Yahweh. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of armies, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man to his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil. And that which the ground bringeth forth, 
and upon the man, and upon the cattle, and upon all the labor of thine hand. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shephtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jashadak, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of Yahweh their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as Yahweh their God had sent them. And they did fear before Yahweh. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, the Yahweh's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith Yahweh. And Yahweh the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheaziel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jesedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of all the people. They came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, and in the second year of Darius the king, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of Yahweh by and God a prophet saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shephtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people saying, We'll talk about what the people saying in our next lesson in Haggai. But let's talk about what we got going on now. Darius. Darius the first. The Bible talks about three Dariuses. Can, can I make them Dariuses? Or can I say three Dariuses? Yeah, you say the AI on something. Can I have three Dariuses or three Dariuses? But anyway, three Dariuses. And this one, we say precious Lord, Darius. Okay, we put a little bit of Hebrew on it. Okay, and by the way, he was a Persian. They had been allowed to come back to the land. Please listen to this. They had been allowed to come back to their land after the captivity. What Yahweh did, he allowed them to go to the, into captivity. He had allowed them to be, be like slaves. He allowed them to have to suffer and be beaten down and do work. And listen to this. After they came from their slavery, after they came from being unearned labor, income for the different ones, whether it's the Medes, the Persians, the Babylonians, etc., what Yahweh did, he was allowing them to come back, and they were coming back not empty-handed. They came back with gold, they came back with silver, they came back with stuff, because the Lord God of heaven moved upon the king to give them stuff that they could go back and build. Now, we're going to be talking about them building the temple in the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about them building the well. We're going to be talking about them building a place so that Yahweh's central guys, government can be there so that they will know what he wants. And we're going to be talking about how he deals with the government. We're going to be talking about how he gives his word. And we're going to be able to show these things applicable to our lives today. And we're going to begin to understand that after the sin, after the punishment, Yahweh, he can move the heart of the wicked to bless you with what you need. But what was the first thing that needed to be done? What was the second thing that needed to be done in order for them to come back, be a nation, and be a kingdom that the world could be blessed by? 
So in this first verse, we see in the second year of the rise, we understand that what time it is here. This is the second year of the rise. It doesn't matter if it was the 55th year of Tim Merritt. It doesn't matter if it was the 35th year of, of Hoodie or Hoodlo. It didn't matter. We're talking about in the year of the rise. So now we can understand when this took place. It was in the first month. It's important that we know the first month because when we get to the end of this chapter, we're going to see we're going to still be in that year, but we're going to see the month has changed. It says in the sixth month and the first day of the month came the word of Yahweh. That, look, it said came the word of Yahweh by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel. Here's the thing. Yahweh's word came to this man. Now understand what it did. When his word came to him, then by the word coming from Yahweh to Haggai, when he brings the word to Zerubbabel, it's the same thing as the word of the Lord coming to uh, Zerubbabel by Yahweh because he's his messenger. Now listen to who, what this position is. Zerubbabel, he got that name like son of Baal. Uh, son, not Baal, but uh, in Babylon, what was the name of the king? I got it looked up so I don't I don't have to remember. No, 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 no. Yeah, because he was because he's in Babel. He's a, he is considered okay. to be son of Babel. Thank you. So what happens is, just like Daniel's name was changed to Belshazzar, mm -hmm. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, their name was changed. Same thing when you have Zerubbabel, their name was changed. Because sometimes he's called, you have another one called Shabazzar, which is going to be a Persian fire worshiper. But listen to what's going on here. He came to Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, notice the governor of Judah. I want you to see this, Josiah. His word comes to the prophet that gives my word, and he gives it to the person that is over the government. There is no separation of church and state when you come to the Most High God. He rules the church. He rules the state. He rules what's going to be said and be dictated to the people. Look at it now. It says the word of Yahweh by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. My word governs the government. My word governs the worship and anything that has to do with doing anything when it comes to liturgy and making sure that you got everything right with me. When we do government, it's right with the people and me. But when it's dealing with the priesthood, you're dealing with what you got to do to me and for me to be right before me and have the other ones to do it. So you have two forms of government. You have what we call, I don't want to say ecclesiastical. Tim, get yourself another word. <laughs> what we would call religious. Give Tim some water, please. I can if I can feel that Tim's going to need it. That was quick. Before I call, you almost answered. You're getting good at that. So we have the governor, we have the high priest, and then you have verse two. Thus speaketh Yahweh of hosts. This is important in the books of the captivity. The Lord of hosts is how it's written, but it's going to be Yahweh, and it's going to be Yahweh of armies. That's why when we hear when we talk about the Lord of Armies, a lot of times people don't understand that that word Saba, Yahweh Saba. Sometimes we might see Yahweh Saba oath, the Lord of Armies. This means that he fights. This means he has warriors. He has warriors that are called the Bene Elohim, which are sons of God. 
he had those that could run through the top of the mulberry trees in the book when David, when David was there having war, whenever you had the same thing with Elisha, when Elisha saw, had his soul, was worrying him, you know, these people could go get us, they go get us, they go make us be dead. And Elisha said, Lord, please, I understand that I'm taking a little liberty, but the thrust is the truth. Lord, please open his eyes. He's worrying me. And the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw all those chariots with fire and horses. And he said, Lord, my Lord, that is with us or more than with them. The first time you start hearing about the host, you see it in Genesis when it talks when God created the host of heaven. The sun, the moon, the stars, and all those lights, as well as he created his heavenly beings and as well as he created mankind. What we need to see is here is that the Lord of hosts have fought. The Lord of hosts has turned the heart of the king. The Lord of hosts has said, no more captivity for you right now. I'm here to set you free. I'm here to fight. So he says, therefore, speak of the Lord of hosts, this people say, listen, Yahweh has spoken, and he hears what they say. Does it remind you of Malachi? When Yahweh says something like, uh, when have we not paid you any attention? When have we not done what was right? When have you ever loved us? He said, this people say, the time has not come. That the Lord's house should be built. When you read stuff like that, mm -hmm. you should flip it if you can. If they're saying that the time is not that the house should be built, why would they say that? Can you think of any reason why the people would say, the time is not come? Okay, look at it now. Yahweh said, this people say that the time is not come that the house of Yahweh should be built. What comes in your mind when you think about why would they say that? Yes, and that somebody has told them that it is time to right. <laughs> to build it. That made Yahweh of Heaven send a message. Mm -hmm. Who is a stinking? Who is a dependent, unnecessary being on this planet? They can tell Yahweh it's not time to do something when he says it's time to do it. Judah was that bold. He said, it's not time. That the house of Yahweh to be built. Then the word of Yahweh came, or the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet came saying, is it a time for you to dwell in your sealed houses? Is it a time for you to be fat and happy and laying back and over in the lifestyles of the rich and the famous and having caviar and being able to ride around with champagne and driving your fancy cars? Is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? Where's your heart? Where's your heart, Andrina? Where's your heart? When Yahweh asks you, is it a time for you? Don't be touching your chest. <laughs> is it a time for you to have everything set up for you? And you are not a necessary being. You're not the one that's protecting yourself. You're not the one that sets yourself free. You're not the one that gave the gold and the silver. You are not the one that protects you out of everything and gives you the rain from heaven and gives you the do. And you're going to have your house that doesn't protect you built and mine lay ways. He's saying, may I, may I interject a little timidism in the Bible? I don't want to be disrespectful, but 
Are you stupid? No, I mean, look at it. Is it a time for you to dwell in sealed houses in this house lay waste? Now, therefore, thus saith Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of armies, consider your ways. Think about it. You know, like when you don't know the answer to something, and that little TV show used to come on, and it was a game show, and you didn't know the answer, they give you time to think of it, and they go, boom, 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 boom. You got time to think about it. Consider your ways. What's your ways? You have sown much. You did a lot of planting. You bring a little. Normally, if you sow a hundred seeds, if you get a hundred to grow, you've got a one-to-one -one ratio. Usually when you plant a seed, those that have eaten a watermelon before, uh, those that have seen a pomegranate, if you plant one seed, when one pomegranate grows, there's a lot that can grow on that one tree. When you plant a watermelon, a lot can grow on that one vine. He said, but you sold much. And you got that little. It doesn't even seem like you got back the same amount that you sold, let alone the increase. You eat, but you don't have enough. You eat just enough that your glands maybe salivate a little bit and you feel you feel just a little bit to go down. You don't even get to really go to enjoy the taste. You don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. In the midst of all of this suffering, you got something to drink, but you don't have enough to drink. You can't even get drunk if it gets your misery. Let me <laughs> let, let me let me make sure, cause I know that when you look at that, and I read that from KJV, mm -hmm. it's like uh, where you get that from, Tim. So what I want to do is I want to take it to the NASB and read that same verse. Let's see. Consider your ways. Let's look at verse number six in the NASB. You have so much, but you harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. That's where I got that from, from the NASB. You got all this misery, and you can't forget about it. You can't even wash it away with drink. What else does he say? He says, you clothe you, but there is none warm. Have you ever went outside and it was really cold? Oh, you got to, this is the worst one, when you have enough clothes. Mm -hmm. It's not worse than not having it, but you go out in the morning and it's warm. Hey, I don't need but a t-shirt, you know, because when, you know, when you're young, you get told, take your sweater, take your Mom, it ain't, it ain't cold. You don't listen. And you go with just your little shirt, and maybe it rains and it gets cold, and the rest of the day you're cold, and you might even get sick. He's saying... For you, this is not just a one-day accident. He said, you clothe, but there is none warm. Listen to this one. He that earneth wages. At that time, they would have shekels, maybe shekels of gold, shekels of silver, you know, like coins. You earn wages to put it in a bag with holes. Can you imagine, Naomi, you, somebody give you $50, $100 or something for your birthday, and you put it in your purse, you know, you're in the mall, you put it in your purse, and somebody has slit the bottom of your purse 
with a razor and you put it in everywhere you walk, you're just dropping money and never know it. God say he to earn wages, put it in a bag with holes. Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, who you can't beat up, consider your ways. Consider your ways. If everything in your life is about the dollar, please hear me. If everything in your life is about being a professional, if everything in your life is about building yourself up, if everything in your life is whether you're going to do something, whether it's political, whether it's religious, whether it's going to be something secular, it's about building yourself up so you'll have food to eat, you'll have clothes to wear, so that you'll have security, but you don't consider me. You're building up your house. You're building up your little house for as long as you're going to live on the earth for just a little while. You have done everything to build up yourself, but you don't consider me. Consider your ways. You are acting as if you're the determining factor of what you sow, and you're acting like you're the determining factor that you can reap something different than what you sow. Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring wood and build a house. Go up there and put out effort. Go up there and put some effort out for me. Go out there and work up a sweat for me. Go out there and show that although you don't see me, you got as much faith in me as you do your own work. You got enough faith in me as you do my do, as you have my ground that will bring forth the fruit that you need, that you have faith in me that I'll do what I say. That I'll do as I say. Then I'll do as I say. Welcome to the mountain. Bring wood and build a house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith Yahweh. This is the problem. The problem with young people. Like you. And you. And all people like me. Most of the time we're not interested in God being glorified with our life. We're not interested in God being glorified with how we conduct ourselves in our home. We're not interested in how God is glorified on our jobs. We're not interested in how God is glorified with what we do with our time and our money, etc. What we're interested in, can I be glorified? Can I look good when I have this purse? Can I look good when I have these shoes? Maybe it can have a red bottom on it. Maybe, well, maybe somebody will think more of me if they think I have more than they do. Maybe they'll look up to me. Yahweh says, I will be glorified. And everything we do it should be to bring him glory. He says, consider your ways. You look for much, verse 9. And it came to little. And when you brought the little home, maybe I can do something out of it. Maybe I can make some rock soup. Right, that's, a, that's a little idiom that if you don't know what that is, let, let, let Tim tell you about the rock soup. Yeah. One time there was a man that was out, and the people were hungry, and he determined, you know what, we, we need something to eat, and if we all work together, we, could, we probably could do something. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this wonderful rock soup. And he took this ball, and he put rocks in it, and it started boiling it, and, and the rocks, and people were looking at it, what you doing? Oh, this is going to be some good rock soup. Imagine him taking a spoon and you know, this would just be perfect if it just had maybe just a couple of potatoes in it. So I, I got some potatoes. <laughs> he go get some potatoes and chop it up in it and he takes it again. And man, it just, if we just had a little bit of celery, 
When you keep going till you get celery, you get onions, you get pepper, you get a piece of chicken. And after a while, you got this great big pot of food cooked. And now you're eating. Here, you're looking at this one, and this is why I brought up the rock soup. He says, you look for much, and it came to little. I'm saying, you took that little, and you act like, okay, I got this little. I can take it home and make some rock soup. No. It ain't that kind of a happy ending. You took little, and it came home little. It was little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Say, if y'all we have armies, because mine house is waste. You let my house be wasted. You let my house not be built up. You let not my house be built up to make the magnificence of what it was supposed to make in the land so that people would know how and what to do, when to do, so I could be glorified, so that I would glorify you. When you glorify me, I reflect back the glory to you, and I give you a certain amount of glory so that the nations would respect you, so your children would respect you, so that your laws would be my laws that would reflect me, and you would be glorified as a righteous nation that exercises righteousness and judgment. He says, because of mine house that is waste, and you run every man to his own house. Isn't that what we do when you really think about it? How many of us really care about the things of God? Do you care about it on what you call Sunday or Sabbath? Or if you have a Zoom class or something like that? But what about the other days? What's more important to you? Are you as conscientious about God's work as you are about your job? Are you as conscientious about God's word as you are about being in the gym? Are you as conscientious about God's work and investing it in the kingdom as you are about your 401k, your stocks, your bonds, your bitcoins, your different things that you do, your commodities or whatever, whatever sector you invest in? He said, run every man to his own house. Verse 10, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. Therefore, he is making it hard. This is what he did for these people after bringing them out of the captivity. He said, I call for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains. Do you think that things are as bad as they are in our government right now by accident? I said, I'm asking a question. Do you think things are as bad as they are in our government right now by accident? Do you think it could be that bad without God's hand being in it? He says, I call for the drought upon the land. I call upon, I call for the drought of injustice. In other words, you're longing, you're, you're thirsting for justice and you're not getting it. Drought. You're thirsting for fairness. You're not getting it. You're thirsting that you can say, look, I spent all this money for education. I'm thirsting to learn so that I can provide for my family. But guess what? I'm still not, my thirst has not been quenched. I owe all this money and I pay this money. You're thirsting for righteous relationship in your home. Guess what? You're still thirsty. You're thirsting to have health. You're still thirsty. But you go and you build up everything that you can. And his house lays waste. Now those that are familiar with the Bible, you would understand that the building that was there was a type and a figure of people coming together under his rule and guidance, and they would build up the house of God that would not be able to be locked down in one place, that it could be scattered all over the world. 
So he says here, I did that, and then he says, I call for a drought. I call for a drought upon your corn, your grain, the food that you eat. So now, guess what? We have GMO food now. Genetically modified food. We have food with different kind of things and they can do anything to us because we don't see what it's made. We don't grow it. I call for it on your wine. I call for it on your oil. Guess what? You think the oil is great now? Go and read what hydrogenated oil is. Read how hot they have to get the oil of the plant to get the oil out of it. And when you put that oil in your body, your body does not get that hot to make that oil get back to where it was to start with. That's why people in health will tell you to use cold-pressed oil. You see, a lot of times hydrogenated oil is cooked oil. Sometimes it'll be hard, and you melt it, but then when you eat it, it can go back to cold and be in your arteries. There's a drought of good oil in the land, drought of good wine in the land, and he says, upon men and upon cattle, your children, your men are missing, children are missing, and upon all the labor of the hands. Have we as black people not experienced every one of these things in these, T-H-E-S-E, -E, these belong to United, Ununited States of America. It's called United, but are they really actually united for the same purpose other than to do the wickedness of the ungodly? He said, you call us upon the cattle, it's upon the labor of your hand, then verse 12 says, Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. Josedek, the high priest, the one that is dealing with getting things right with people for God, the one that's dealing with the liturgy, the one that's dealing with what we take or what we go through to come before the king, eternal, immortal, invisible God of all the earth with the remnant of the people. They obey the voice of Yahweh, their God, the governor. And the priest, they obeyed the word of the God that was given by the prophet, the words of Haggai the prophet, as Yahweh their God has sent him, and they did fear before Yahweh. They did say, you know what, we considered our ways. We don't like the fruit. We don't like a harvest. We don't like a shortage of our men. We don't like the shortage of the wine. We don't like the shortage of the grain. We don't like it. Don't look, we out here planting and we go and we get little. We don't like the fact that we got these nice houses, but we're hungry. We got these nice homes, but we don't have love in the home. We don't have justice in the land. We're still under captivity of people, and we don't have the presence of our God like we should have. Thirteen. Then Haggai, Yahweh's angel. Do you see that where it says, I gave the Lord, Yahweh's messenger? The word is Malak. Malak is messenger. Messenger is the same word we use for angel. It doesn't mean that Haggai was a messenger. I just want to disabuse you that every time you see the word angel, it has to be a celestial being. Okay. It's a messenger. Then spake Haggai, Yahweh's messenger. He spake whose message? Yahweh's message to the people saying, I am with you, saith Yahweh. You like that, Naomi? Let me tell you something about that. If your mind is set to do the will of Yahweh, 
That's the most precious place you can be. You could be sold by your brothers because they want to kill you, but they determine that the money is better. You could be accused of doing some of the most dastardly thing to people and that they can racially profile you for doing it and you should be put to death and you won't get put to death. You could be locked up for something you didn't do, but it's, but it's that real narrative that comes from Yahweh is, I'm with you. I'm with you. The time will come he will have to elevate you because of who he is. He will elevate you and put you in a position where people will have to bow down to you because he's with you. If he doesn't put you in the position to make them bow down, they'll bow down to who you are, even if you don't get to see it. Because a lot of times people fight against you because they know who you are. Do you hear me? You never see Satan obeying the Christ other than when he's telling to go, get behind him, stuff like that. But you see him always have that respect. Here's the thing. He says, I'm with you. That's the good part. But, but, you want to understand anything in your life. See what comes after the but. The but. The but. I remember one time a man was talking about nevertheless. He was preaching a sermon talking about nevertheless. A lot of times when you see nevertheless, you need to pay attention. But after the but, here it is. If he's with you and you're wicked. And he doesn't do anything to you right away. According to Romans chapter 2, he allows you to pile up your dirt. King James says you treasure of wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God that will judge every man according to his works. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he will render every man according to his works. And you see a picture of that. Uh, can you can you hear you all? Can you hear can you hear Yahweh talking to Abraham? Your seed of being a stranger four hundred years, and they're gonna evilly mistreat your children. Uh, that don't be sad. They're gonna do it for four hundred years. But after that four hundred years, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna bring them out with great substance. They're gonna spoil those people because their iniquity, their lawlessness, their perversion, their ungodliness is not full. I'm gonna let them fill it up so much so that there is no remedy. I'm gonna be able to execute my judgment to the full extent like I wanna execute my judgment because I have shown my patience and I have shown that you're willing to be ungodly forever. This is what we're looking at when they say, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I'm with you, but where are you? Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I'll do you good. You doing what I say. I'll do you good. But Joshua says, the Lord, if after he's done you good, you want to go and serve other gods. You don't want to understand that he's holy. You don't want to come before him as holy. He'll turn around and do you hurt even after he has done you good. That's what the Bible says. Verse number 14 says, And Yahweh stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheathiel, the governor of Judah. Would to God he would stir the heart of we black men. Would to God he would stir up those of us who know we are the descendants of enslaved people. Would to God he would stir up us fathers. Would to God he would stir up us uncles and brothers and cousins that say we have been mistreated and abused and that we have gone through oppression. Would to God he would stir us up. 
And instead of focusing on everything else in this world first, to put first things first, with the God that we were determined, I'm not going to Republican, I'm not going to Democrat, I'm not going to Independent, I'm going to read their platform, I'm not going to stick out on my, my chest and say this Democrat is doing this for me, and you think he's going to give you the justice that you need, or this Republican is going to give you the justice of God, or this Independent is going to give you the justice of God, but with God, he will stir us up and make us look to the one who is called Yahweh of armies, the Lord of hosts. He stirred up Zerubbabel, the head of the government of Judah, and the spirit of the high priest. We got too many preachers nowadays that are supposedly leading the liturgy that are doing and bowing down to a man with a white apron and calling this man a worshipful master. And you go to an altar in a temple that is called Masonic, but the altar of God you disregard and you try to mix it. You want to say you come from darkness to light when you come into the lodge? What about the light of God? He is supposedly the light of the world, and he says in Matthew chapter 5, we are the light of the world. How many of us have a compass and a square on our building that we call the church with the G in the middle, the generating principle of a phallus of a penis? And we're going to mix that with the most high God? With the God, he will stir us up. They're just like those that want the connection so that if I do something wrong, I can get away with it. So that I can get the job that I want, that we would consider there is nobody. There is not a Republican, there is not a Democrat, there is not an Independent, there is not a lie, there is not a society that can give you, take you from earth to heaven. I don't care if in the lives they can give you the lives for a grip or throw a green sprig in your casket. I can throw some dog squeeze in your casket and it will make no difference. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit, listen, of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of Yahweh, of hosts their gods. Their God. We'll never, we'll never as a people, we'll never as a black people get any kind of restitution, uh, never build up any kind of power as a people. Everybody else that always have us, they want to either divide us or use us for their either LGBTQ or either some activist group or use us as a platform to get in some other kind of racial group, certain things. What we need is God. What America needs is to come back to God. Yes. China Russia, these treaties, they are not going to everlastingly help us. They might pacify something for a little while. But if your skirt is too short, you pull it up on one side, and you, you, you pull it down on one side, it's showing too much on the other. If you pull it, this is what we're doing. Too short to come. Two, yeah, it is. And the spirit, listen to this, verse 14. He stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, that's the governor. Mm -hmm. Joshua, the son, the son of Joshua, that's the high priest. Mm -hmm. The remnant of all the people came together. They did the work of the house of the Lord. And listen to this. And in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, 
that same second year they did that of Darius the king. Why did they take so long? From the first day to the 24th day? I don't know. It may have been harvest time. Look at the time of the month it is. Mm -hmm. The word got to get out. Mm -hmm. You got to preach it. They got to hear it. But you can look at that and say that took 23 days. How long has it taken us? How long many of us been in church singing? Mm. Know the songs. Some can roll on the floor and show their underwear and what they call some of the holiness charismatic church. Some can speak in tongues. Some they don't believe in tongues. They can get up and pontificate and disseminate, give the information, give you chapter and verse, and they can use the big word like eschatology, hermitology, pneumatology. But when are we going to change? When are we going to separate from the Greek culture? I'm, look, look, I'm a cute dog. You're a cute dog? You mean to tell me you're going with the Greek culture that enslaved our people? And you're going to do these things and get along and come together with people, but you won't get with the Alpha and Omega, not the Alpha and Omega, that's Greek. You won't get the olive and the buck, the bet and the gamble and the dialect? You don't want to learn the Hebrew culture? You want to walk around and say, excuse me? You want to call yourself a Zeta by Beta? I don't understand. You want to say you're a Mason? You want to say you're in this lodge? But you don't care about God's word. You're more dedicated to that than you are to God. Because you see a benefit right now. You can build your sealed houses right now. And you don't see the benefit of building his house. Oh, you got property. You got stuff now. But you're dead. I used to work in the cemetery business. I remember walking around Ace of Candles. Big old monument in the sky. And I said, he's dead. I walked around the man that don't have his furniture. That big chain that they have in Georgia. Dead. All kind of famous people, dead. Man, Oakland Cemetery, dead. Big old monuments didn't bring them back to life. When we build the house of God and we show that we really are willing to let him dwell in us, we will become like the one that in Hebrews chapter 12, I believe it's verse 22, will be just like the spirits of just men made perfect, complete. The book of Haggai is going to give us the answer to our problems. The answer to our problems is looking, consider your ways. You say you're still oppressed? You want to get free? Who freed who freedom then? Who freedom out of Egypt? Who freedom from Babylon? Who freedom from the Assyrians? Who freed them from Antiochus Epiphanes? Who freed them? Who freed our people? Are we tired of freedom? Why do we keep looking for means and ways from people that will ignore going back to the one who controls all the host of the armies? Josiah, when I talk about armies, I'm talking about armies of hornets, armies of flies, armies of, armies of hail, fire, lice, frogs, angels. Oh, we call angels, seraphim, cherubim, everything that we need, even the hoarfrost. And we want to depend on something else. H-O-A-R, frost. Not the, not the W-H-O-R-E. 
I, I, I forget sometimes that you all, you all didn't grow up in King James era, but, but he has so many armies. And you know what? Can you imagine? I heard you say, mm -mm. can you imagine an army of just darkness? So dark that you could feel it? Can you imagine the army of just little lights that just make you itch all day and all night? There's nothing you can do. Why we why we won't come back to the Lord, especially us? Right now they got a woman that's a she's an Asian. I looked at her I looked at her daddy, her great great daddy, and looked at everything that he had done. You gonna put her above us? And I look at who else you want to put above us. I look at the president that you put above us. And out of all of the things that I've seen that he's done, what has he done? What has any of them ever done to give us justice? What have they ever done to bring us to where we were really shown that we're created equal? What has ever been done that we can say, look, just like everybody else benefited, that's of the descent of the founding fathers, you should benefit the same way. No, what we're going to do is we're going to act like everything is equal and we'll keep the benefit that we have. And you all try to catch up while we got our foot on your neck. And I'm not talking about George Floyd. I'm talking about in the way that they did in the Bible, when they showed that you're under subjugation, they would put, you would put your foot under the neck of your sovereign. The only way to get free, the only way to get free, is to walk with God. Other than that, you might get to become a tyrant too. They might let you come in and be a tyrant or, or let you be someone that would come in and be a taskmaster. But what about when you die? You go out in the field to get your grain. You don't get what you expect. You plant your seed. You only get a little harvest. You go out to get your vineyard, your grapes. You don't have enough to even get drunk to forget about your misery. Your children are in pain. And then you end up and you have, you have your children missing. You have your family missing. You have no justice in the home. And then on top of that, you get your money and you pile it up and somebody steal it. It's gone. And everything that you hope for is no longer there. And Yahweh said, I did it. Because I've taught you better. I'm in covenant with you. I'm with you. And instead of looking at that as a benefit and considering it, that, Lord, I need to turn back to you, you just say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to start another organization. I'm going to start another group. I'm going to go and get with somebody else. I'm not going to go back to let you be the governor. I'm not going to go back and let you be my priest. I'm not going to go back and let you be my prophet and teach me. Well, the Bible says he that often is reproved and hardened his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. This is what the book of Haggai is bringing us to. And as we go through Haggai, Nehemiah, Ezra, etc. We're going to see there's a hope for those that have been oppressed. But it's not just a hope to go and join with any and everybody. It's a hope that's going to be locked into what he said back in Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30, as well as Leviticus 26. 
is turning back to him to show you that you are a covenant people, that you are a covenant people. And being a covenant people, your God fights for you. But what about if you weren't a covenant people? If you will adhere to the covenant of God and become a God-fearer, you get the same benefit. But the thing is, who wants it? We still elevate people. Do you remember that I said, what do you do to the people that kept you from it and deprive you from it? Who keeps you from it? Your preachers. They won't tell you the truth. Who keeps you from it? Your family members that you look up to. Who keeps you from bowing down to Yahweh? Your celebrities that you like because they have more than you do. Who keeps you from it? These groups, these organizations that people tie into and say that they're tied with God when they're not. I don't care what their groups are. If you cannot say that Yahweh rules that group and that group is tied to Yahweh's word, they're keeping you from doing and building his house. You're building their house. You can build a Q-Dog house. You can you can build a, what they call it, a Zeta. What's those girls that be saying, Skeevy, they wear the green and purple? What they call? <laughs> the green and pink? Yeah, green and pink. You know, they, they be, I used to see them at the AU Center a lot. Okay, AKAs, that's yeah. what they are. You build their house. You build a lodge. You build, you build a Shriners. You build all of that. But what about God's house? You build your little social groups. You be in your activist groups. But what about God's house? Well, keep building. And he keep blowing. Those are the people that keep you from getting where you need to be because they exclude him from the very beginning. Are you going to continually elevate them? Are you going to continually look up to them? They'll benefit. But what about you? With that, consider your ways. And look in the past and see how he's dealt with them. And truly you'll see how he'll deal with us. Merciful Father, I thank you for your word and your power, your goodness and your grace. Cause us to hear you, to walk with you, and consider our ways so that you'll be our blessing. Instead of you blowing, you just adding to us, increasing us so that we can build your government. You called on the governor of the city. Lord, it's the governor of the people. You call on the religious person of the people. And you call for the person that gave your word to be tied back to you. And then you told all of the people to be on one accord. Help us to do that in our nation. Help our people to do that. Amen. Amen. And even so, amen. amen. I open our class for a discussion if there is any discussion we're going to have on this beautiful little chapter tonight, the book of Haggai. I hope it was memorable. I tried to make it memorable for you. Can't hear you well, Gary. You said liturgy several times. Yes. I don't know if everybody listening might know what you mean. So if you could give that. And the religious service. The religious service of what it takes to come before him and be pleased. The religious honor or homage that you give to him. And that's what, that's what the liturgy is talking about. The aspect of doing things as forgiveness. The aspect of worship, bowing down, praying, things of that nature. Uh, what does it take to get forgiveness? 
What does it take for restitution? All of those are liturgical things. I understand for some people the liturgical would just be the sacrifices and the sacraments. But I would, re I would tell you explicitly, if you can't give a sacrifice without doing the other, then they are intrinsically locked together. Did that help any? Yes. You Thank you. You can't give sacrifice without doing the other. You cannot give sacrifice without getting that right. But some people would just do liturgy as maybe singing, praying, killing the animal sacrifices, uh, being able to do the feast days, and that is very liturgical. But you cannot do that and be accepted without the other. He made them intertwined. He didn't just give you a prophet and you don't have the, the religious part because that's to teach you how to have your heart right. That's to teach you how to come before him and keep things clean. That's to teach you how to deal with one another. So uh, I'm glad you asked the question because whereas from my vantage point, it's easy for me to make the amalgam or bring them together. Uh, Sometimes it needs to be separated so that people can see how they work in concert. Did that help any or do I need to go further? It, it did. What else you got? So uh, your lesson was, I think, good, and it, I think it showed a lot of the application. And I think when you were when you had read the um, actual verses, it, it looked like you went more application than some of the actual like what they were doing, going and building. Because bringing it home to say we can focus on things that we think are important, job, um, appearance. All those things. When um, you when you was reading the um, actual text, where where you going? And I'm not I'm not getting ahead of you, but I'm curious. You can get ahead of me. I don't mind. Are you, are you gonna like pull in more like how what they were doing when when like going up to the going up building their houses basically? Is that like another lesson, or are you gonna where are you gonna do some of that? You by the time I move into Ezra. You're going to see more of that, but they don't really, you, you know that that's what happened here, but I don't really see it really hard that they're talking about it. Mm -hmm. I hear it alluded to here mm -hmm. where they build a house, but they're going to go through, and, and when we go through Ezra and Nehemiah, we're going to see them actually go through the part where when they get ready to build, the opposition that they have, the lies is going to be told, and they're going to just show you've done these things and they're going to go through and they're going to go and have to be on guard when they build. But I will be dealing with the building of it. Uh, I didn't go into it that much at this time because of the fact it didn't right here. But I did want to allude to you built your own. Now, had I started with Ezra, mm -hmm. it would have been done. But I had already said, hey, God, but... Ezra was going to be a few years before, and I may do Ezra next, and just type because I said, well, you don't have to do it in that order right there, because I felt like hey, God would be a good taste for somebody that have had none of it, mm -hmm. and that might make them be more interested in hearing Ezra, because Ezra. you said, wait a minute, this is going to really matter. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you get to eat this food. And you like it, 
Now you want to know where you get it or how you go about planting it, where you have to go or where you order it from. Well, before I would tell you, man, I got, I got some of the best potato chips or I got some of the best steak or, or some of the best, you know, I don't, never had an avocado this good. And I hear, right, no big deal. But once you get a taste of something, mm -hmm. I remember when I was in sales and I was listening to Zig Ziglar because I was learning how to sell. <laughs> and, yeah, that's his name, Z-I-Z-Z-I-Z-L-A-R. I don't know if that was his real name, but uh, he taught, he and Douglas Edwards and different ones, how to close sales. And one of the things they did was called the puppy dog clothes. Mm -hmm. And the reason that clothing, Naomi, is whenever somebody's going to buy, you haven't, you haven't made a sale today get until they pay for it, okay? So closing is not just talking. We talk all day long. But until you spend some money or invest some money, we haven't made a deal. We just talk. This is like a professional visit. So what they call the puppy dog close, like let's say like we take a young person and you're trying to sell a dog. You can tell them all day long what kind of dog this is and, and the kind of brand it is and how the pedigree a lot of times they said it would be best to quit talking and let the child hold the dog. And if the child holds the dog and it's all cuddly and licking on them and, and just being friendly, so a lot of times it's just a, they would literally just take it home and keep it a couple of days and see what you think. I said most of the time it would always they would always sell because the child wouldn't want to let the dog go. That's called the puppy dog clothes, okay? That's what Satan does to us. Let y'all a little bit of sex right now. You ain't want to give it up. Let y'all a little bit of anger. You can beat somebody up and you see they leave you alone. You ain't want to let it go. Let you steal a little bit. And then, man, I, I got all of this for this and I didn't even work hard. So what is up? And he tried it on Jesus. You know what? If you, if you just bow down to me right now, I'll give you all these kingdoms that you see of the world in a moment of time. You don't even have to fight me for it. It's yours. You take it right now. The puppy dog clothes. Always enjoy it first. And so what they were doing is, we got our cedar houses now, and it should be giving us fulfillment. And Yahweh said, I kept it from giving you the joy that you would have. That was a blessing. Because this message would mean nothing to you if you were a fool and not following me. This message would mean nothing to you if you could get drunk when you want to. It would mean nothing to you if you were warmed and filled and enjoyed and nothing, had no suffering. You wouldn't like me. But because I had mercy on you, I'm holding back. Consider your ways. And that's what's happening to we black people. We're looking. And we hear them saying that we hold all these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Really? Chief Justice Tenney said that there were no rights that a black man had and a white man had to respect. Well, we were chattel. Uh, you said we hadn't fully evolved. So obviously you're saying we're not men. Therefore, when you say all men are created equal, we weren't included in that statement. We did the Bill of Rights. That wasn't for us, was it? We didn't have trial by jury every time of our peers, did we? Did we? No, we didn't. 
when you talk about people can pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that wasn't even about us because in the first place it was the pursuit of property and we were the property. But when you change it to happiness, obviously you didn't you, you didn't think we were happy unless you took the daughters of Confederacy's catechism and said we were happy to be slaves. We were happy to have you all to come and you know and test our test drive our wife every now and then when you got uh -huh. ready and get you know and make a child by her that we have to raise. Or, yeah, or you could test drive our little daughters, you know, or, or you get upset with us and test drive we men call it breaking the buck. Yeah you 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 couldn't admit you couldn't admit that. And when I see platforms right now that are not going to benefit us as a people, and you can mock us, put on platforms, people that laugh at us and our ways and our God, a man kissing a man deep in the mouth, take a person and say, you know, it doesn't matter that he's a pedophile. It doesn't matter that he's done things with women and I believe him. But I'm gonna be his I'm gonna be his vice president and now he's the sweetest thing I know he dims the rainbow glow. When you can take people and say we're gonna raise <coughs> impoverished people's taxes, not just one people. When you take people and say, you know what, I'll get Kim Kardashian up here and, and make it like I've done things for all the prisoners. Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian. If she was written about in the Bible, she would be written with honor. I'm going to take and say, um, I'm going to do things for you, but I will never make restitution come your way. I'll do a little bit, but I can't get everybody too upset. I might get killed. There is no hope for the black man, just like Jude Israel said, there is no hope for us in Judah. And it says, to your tents, O Israel, a whole about. There is no hope for us in the system, this political system, the way it is right now. Unless I'm black and I will toe the conservative line or I will toe the Republican line or I will toe the progressive or the Democrat line, I can't do it. But in the book of Hosea, it was about Joshua and Sheathiel and Zerubbabel. They needed to toe my line. Toe my line. T-O-W, my line. And until we see the line of Christ and tow his line, you get a token here, you get a token there. But the hand of God will still be against us. Mm -hmm. Go get you an activist group and say it's too hard for us to get together. No, it's too hard for us to hear God's word. Mm. You take you 15 people that love God's word, that will do it. Mm. And let it grow. And let it grow. Your laws will be changed. Your culture will be changed. But as long as you like having half a bag of 
I have a bag of money or a bag full of money or having half of your grain or having half of your wine or having half of your crop. Don't mind your men being gone and your children being messed up and God blowing them with you. As long as you're satisfied with that, he'll let you have it. I said it. And in the word, when we were young and we thought we were cool, we said, I said it, I meant it, I'm here to represent it. Yeah, we used to say that. You all did in Alabama, okay. Why don't we represent God? Do we have any other comments? Because I don't want to bore you to tears. I'm already feeling good about her guy. Young people, did you all gain anything from the message tonight or was I just talking you know, doing grown folk talk. Because you are pretty smart. Even when, you, even when I think you're not paying attention, you all have the ability to do a little more with your mind than I do. Like, you have two or three conversations at the same time. Yes, I've noticed. Since we have no comments, I'm going to close it out. Father, thank you for your blessed word. I thank you for letting us know you're with us. Let's not forget that you're with us and that means something. Make our government, our so-called religious leaders, and those that give us the word, follow your righteous kingdom rules so that we can be who you'd have us to be. Building your kingdom and your righteousness so we don't always have to be cursed. Always have to have your hand against us but that you'll have your hand for us. I ask these in the blessed name of your holy child, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Amen, amen. And even so, amen. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you all have fun with me in such a serious matter tonight.